Thank you for your purchase of this Let's Talk Adoption radio program. A portion of your donation has helped fund adoption programs and scholarships for birth mothers, special needs adoptions, and adoptive parents. Your continued support is greatly appreciated. For a transcript of this audio product, or for a complete list of audio products, please visit letstalkadoption.com or call toll-free 1-877-423-6785. Well, good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Each week, our show brings you national experts and authors, adoptive parents, adoption professionals, and others that have been touched by adoption. Let's Talk Adoption is a weekly Internet program that can be heard worldwide on letstalkadoption.com. We provide answers to your adoption questions. And during the course of our show, we're going to be covering many important topics on adoption. You can also participate by emailing us questions at info at letstalkadoption.com. Please send your questions in early so we can be added to the show each week. We're getting lots of questions in. We're going to try to answer as many as possible. On our website, you'll find a lineup of upcoming shows and a free newsletter, previous show archives, and adoption resources for you for anybody interested in adopting, for searches, and for adoptees. Um, our guest today is Adam Pertman, an author of Adoption Nation and Executive Director of the Evan B. Donaldson Adoption Institute. Please join us today at Let's Talk Adoption as we welcome today's guest, Adam Pertman. Adam, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Well, thank you so much. You have a wonderful book, I have to tell you. Um, I've had it for some time when it first came out, Adoption Nation, and it's um, How the Adoption Revolution is Transforming America. It's a great book. You had a wonderful honor. Um, gosh, um, you were nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, right? That's right. Um, that was for my writing about adoption when I was at the Boston Globe. Mm-hmm. The book got a wonderful honor. It was named Book of the Year uh, last year, uh, Adoption Book of the Year, not all books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that was good enough for me. That's and, wonderful. yeah, it's been very, very well treated, and I'm, I'm very flattered by all the attention. Well, it's a wonderful book, and uh, I've got a hard-bound a hard, uh, copy. And it's about 245 pages. Uh, wonderful resource, and we're going to tell you later on how you can get that book, too. So tell me a little bit about your background and why you decided to write this book. Sure. Um, well, let me just tell you, I started into the adoption world for the same reason most people uh, who adopt do. My wife and I discovered we were infertile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's frustrating and not fun. Um, so on a personal level, it was also frustrating because mm-hmm. once we decided we wanted to adopt <laughs> to form a family, uh, we discovered we knew very, very little. In fact, now I say we knew less than nothing because <laughs> what I thought I knew was skewed or biased or wrong because it was based on what? On, on very little, on nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people have you know, an insufficient base of knowledge about adoption. On a professional level, though, because I was a journalist at the time, um, it was it was a treasure trove because mm-hmm. what journalists want is to write about things that affect people, that mm-hmm. you know affect their lives, and that they care about. Well, here was a subject about which most people knew very little mm-hmm. and that affected tens of millions of people. Mm-hmm. So I started writing about it for my employer at the time, The Globe, and that's the series that was nominated for the uh, Pulitzer. And then the the more I wrote about it, the more I researched, the more I understood that this was about my kids. This was right. something I needed to do for them because, mm-hmm. you know, the world they live in uh, still 
to put it in a nutshell, in the world they live in, your adopted can still be used as an insult. Mm-hmm. Well, my kids are not an insult, mm-hmm. and that's not an acceptable world for mm-hmm. them. How old are your children now? Um, nine and six. Mm-hmm. And you adopted them at how old? Uh, both infants. Mm-hmm, infants. And, you know, I, I did hear you speak at an adoption conference, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because um, you were so passionate about adoption and so passionate about your children. And right. I could tell by hearing that you were a wonderful father right. and a great husband and, and a wonderful <laughs> writer. So, uh, you know, you had a great combination there that I felt that, you know, our listeners really needed to hear your message well, and, you. and hear about your book. Tell me, what disturbed you the most about adoption when you were doing this research? Um, just how little people know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really why I changed careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, you know, this lack of knowledge has real consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that we use language like you're adopted as an insult. It has consequences in schools. Mm-hmm. It has consequences in the movies, in newspapers. You know, the doctors who still ask for my medical information treat my kids. What is that all about? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this has consequences in most aspects of life. And, you know, ignorance does not yield good outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the result of the ignorance is that birth mothers are stigmatized, mm-hmm. um, birth, uh, birth fathers are cut out of the picture, adoptees mm-hmm. get second-rate status and, mm-hmm. and fewer rights, which most people don't know is true, but it's true, mm-hmm. and that's not acceptable for my kids. Right. And adoptive parents are, you know, are still um, felt sorry for, it, you, you know, it's wonderful you adopted. Aren't you lucky? But I am sorry you couldn't have any real children. <laughs> well, my kids look real, mm-hmm. and and if I'm so lucky, how come you feel sorry for me? Mm-hmm. And, and it's because of this level of ignorance, small I. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on anyone. You can't know things that nobody ever told you. Mm-hmm. And adoption was something we whispered about for generations not something we discussed and learned about. So what frustrates me most, how little people know and the consequences of it all, all over the place. And I think, too, with the Internet, it's, there's, there's good things about the Internet and bad things about the Internet, but the good thing is that I think there's a lot of information out there. Absolutely. Uh, and if people can sort through it, they start seeing the stuff that is really good. To, now, tell me a little bit about what was the greatest joy in writing the book The Adoption Nation gave you? And, and actually, the writing the book as mm-hmm. opposed to the impact of it. Um, right. Uh, the writing was... <laughs> was very interesting. Um, I, I, it was 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for a year. Oh, wow. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford to take off more time from work. Yeah. I, I took an unpaid leave of absence to write it. That's right. So you um, get 14, so, well, that's a lot. That's a well, big sacrifice for your family, too. I know for, as an author myself. It needed to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the joy of it was that, A, the writing, because I love to write, mm-hmm. um, and B, I guess... the. That's a good question. The right answer is somewhere during the early writing of the book, I realized in a way I had not before, because it was really a professional exercise telling people something they didn't know. It was journalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point early on, it really dawned on me in, a, in almost like an epiphany, not quite, um, that this really was for my kids. Mm-hmm. This really meant this was my contribution uh, to improving their lives, improving their world. Mm-hmm. And so the joy was knowing that I was going to dedicate a piece of my life, and now most of it, um, to helping them and all the thems um, mm-hmm. out there, which is a lot of millions of people. Um, and I think nothing brings me more joy now than knowing that I'm actually doing something to to help other people, especially kids. And I know how hackneyed that sounds, but it's the truth. 
And you do a lot of traveling, too, don't you? I uh, do. I, I do too much traveling. I do a lot of public speaking, you know, at conferences, and mm-hmm. I try to do it not just at adoption conferences because mm-hmm. that's part of the problem. People don't realize adoption is part of every aspect of life. Right. Now, do you have, I think on your site, if I remember going to your site, you have a calendar of where you're going to be. Is that correct? I do. That, so there put, is. Let's get that website, too, so they can visit that website, our, our listeners. Sure. There are two websites. One is the institute that I had, the Evan B. Donaldson Adoption Institute, which mm-hmm. does a lot of truly fine mm-hmm. uh, policy and research work um, that changes people's lives. It's, and we're going to talk that, about that in just a second. Yeah, sure. about that one. And that is www.adoptioninstitute.org, and and that has the updated schedule. Uh, My book website, which I've been so busy that I haven't updated the schedule on it, Mm -hmm. um, but um, has lots of information about the book and adoption and some of my writing, um, is www.adoptionnation.com. Okay. And that's great, too, and to know that, too. uh, And we're going to talk a little bit at .com, right? Okay, we have got that. Now, um, Tell us a little bit about now what you're doing with the Institute. Uh, sure. What is the Institute and what is it doing to help children? Yep. Um, the Evan B. Donaldson Adoption Institute um, is a, one of the leading um, – it's, it's described in different ways, sometimes as a think tank, but that's too highfalutin. What we really do <laughs> is try to, try to do policy work, research, education programs that actually change the situation on the ground, mm-hmm. change those newspaper stories that, uh, you know, that stigmatize adoption and people mm-hmm. in it. Change those movies to do the same. Change school curricula to do that. Mm-hmm. We we pick projects that actually turn people's lives around, mm-hmm. whether that deals with foster care or international adoption or domestic adoption. You know, that ignorance that I talk about is something that at, that the Institute aims to change. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, sometimes people ask, well, you're not a placement agency. You, you don't help people directly. Well, we don't help individuals directly, mm-hmm. but when we do our jobs, we literally help tens of thousands of kids at a, at a turn by mm-hmm. helping people understand something. Example, like disruption. Why do adoptive families break up? Mm-hmm. Well, if we understand that and propose policies that help them not break up, we've helped an awful lot of people. That's right. And what can an individual, because I, I know our listeners listening here are saying, well, what can I do as an individual? And I've got some really powerful listeners that have a lot of clout. These are moms that have been out there, and they really want to make sure. a difference, too. What can they do, and what kind of information can the, uh, you know, the, the um, organization, uh, Evan B. Donaldson Adoption Institute, give them so they can go out to their communities, too? Oh, a lot. I mean, the first thing I would urge, it's too, it's too many things and too complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, not complicated as in it's hard in your life, but mm-hmm. there's just a lot. Um, I would urge anybody to go to the website, uh, mm-hmm. adoptioninstitute.org. And we'll um, have it also at, on our site, a link over there um, after the program, so people, if they've forgotten that or can't get to it, they can go back later and get it. Go ahead. That's great. And, you know, they can also get my bio there. They can also see what programs we uh, – all the info is there. And then – Think about what you want to do in your community. Do you want to work in education? Do you want to work on the media? And send us an email. Mm-hmm. Um, we are happy to have volunteers. We are happy to have contributors. We are happy to have collaborators. I mean, this is, you know, you can't change the world all by yourself. Yeah. Um, you need partners and you need people on the ground. And so if there are indeed listeners who want to help us, we want to help. That's wonderful. And I think it really is beneficial. And I know that we receive so much when we give. 
and giving back to the community, giving back to these children, and for people that are just even considering adoption, not involved, or they may be adoptees or adopted parents, they can do small things in their community, their church, their synagogue, their group. Oh, there's so much to do. And the other thing that's there is good resources. We are um, in the process. I've only been there for six months, and a lot of the hands-on educational work is something that I've brought to the Institute, and we're, going to, we're producing materials that they can take with them. Mm-hmm. We're producing information that they can take with them. Um, we, can, we actually, you know, we, we are and hope to do more um, of providing the, the ammunition mm-hmm. with which we can uh, change things. How are you funded? Um, by whoever wants to give us money. Okay. Um, alas, we are in the same position as every nonprofit. We are a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and so we're in the same position as, you know, all the other nonprofits you hear about who are, are taking a big hit during this mm-hmm. terrible economy. Right. We're in exactly the same place, unfortunately. Now, the Institute has been helping with some of the, the children who lost both parents in the World Trade Center. What are yep. they doing? Well, we did a, it, that project is done now. We've handed it over to the city. But we helped uh, identify children who lost parents in the – it wasn't exactly an adoption pro- project, but we just felt compelled mm-hmm. to help children who lost parents. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, dealt, we formulated policy and helped those kids um, get homes, I mean, generally with their own relatives. Yes. Um, but that was a, a hands-on project. And we'll keep doing that. You know, as we see a need, we, we will try to meet it. That's wonderful, and have the happy. And where are they located? Where is this? Where were they located? The, we are located in New York. I actually telecommute from Boston because I didn't want to move my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but the institute is, itself is based in New York. Right. It's very close, by the way. Uh, it's on Wall Street. No uh, Within uh, within vis- visible distance of mm-hmm. where the attacks took place. Yeah, that's amazing too. Um, and tell me now, is your wife involved with any of your adoption work at all, or? Yes, she raises our children. That's important. <laughs> That's wonderful. And so I'm sure you have full support. And how do your children feel about your book? Uh, they love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they think they, they talk about it with pride. That's you know, great. it's funny. A lot of kids, you, people ask, do you ever mention adoption in the house? My kids can't escape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is not the truth, and mine too. It's it's like constantly uh, there, and I think that's important too because oh, yeah. it's always a common denominator, and uh, and it's fine. It's, it's absolutely fine. I think when it's you don't normal. have normal, mm-hmm. it's, it's very normal. very normal. And I think right. that's extremely important too. We're going to take a quick break here, and um, when we come back. We're going to go ahead and continue with our great um, you know questions we have here for Adam. And to mention, too, that his book is Adoption Nation, and you can find his book. He's going to give you some information on how you can buy that book in just a little bit, but adoptioninstitute.org or theadoptionnation.com. So in just a moment, we'll be right back back with um, Adam, and we have some more questions. Leave that mouse, and we'll be right back. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoption of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parent Seeking Family page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. LifetimeAdoption.com. Well, welcome. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm your host, Marty Caldwell, and we're speaking today with Adam Pertman regarding his wonderful book, Adoption Nation. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to email them to us at info at letstalkadoption.com. Adam, before we left, we were talking a little bit about, um, gosh, your book, and um, we want to make sure that people know how they can get the book, too. So where would be a place where they can buy the book? Well, your store, local store should have it. If they don't order it, sometimes they run out. It's not like uh, the bestseller that they have ten copies of up mm-hmm. front. Um, but they can absolutely always get it on the, uh, Amazon, Barnes okay. & Noble, all the websites. And there is a link to it uh, from my own site, AdoptionNation.com. Okay, that sounds super. The one thing, if I may, just mm-hmm, so people sure. know, um, it is a good resource. Um, what I don't want people to think of it as is, is just a resource. I, you know from having read it, yes. it's really a compassionate look at adoption and people's stories in adoption, including my own, I tell our own story. I agree. Um, it, and so I just don't, I want people to know that it's it's something you read and, and soak in and not, uh, you know, some academic text. I think it's really, the, the thing I got out of the book and reading this, and it's been um, a while, and I went back and, and glanced over it again right before the show, but I had read it, is that uh, there's a lot of meaning there, and you do want to read it in bits and pieces, and you soak it in, and even after 17 years, I learned a lot of new things um, that I thought were very valuable to me and to my practice, and um, I thought this is a, this is an important piece that people need to, to read, and it's a great gift also. If you have someone that's interested in adopting, too, this would be a great adoption agency, oh, a great gift, too. And I know that we mentioned during the break that uh, we talked about the, the proceeds of the book are going to, to uh, education. Right? Yeah, I'm donating uh, the proceeds. I don't want anybody to think I'm in this for the money. I, mm-hmm. I did not quit my job at the Boston Globe um, to make more money. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll do that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll make more money again in my life. Yeah. I did it because I care about the issue and I care about um, changing my kids' world. And the only way I know to demonstrate that um, and not just talk the talk mm-hmm. is to put my money where my mouth is. And so I'm giving the proceeds from uh, my book sales uh, to adoption education programs at that's the wonderful. institute. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, Tell me. The right thing. I think it is the right thing. Now, um, a few more things we had talked about, too. Um, how do we eliminate the barriers from keeping children, uh, waiting children from getting homes? I mean, um, you know, this, we have, we have 500,000 kids in foster care. Not all of them are freed for adoption. Right, right now. about 120, 140,000 are. Yeah, and so how do, we, how do we help move these children into a permanent placement? Well, we're starting to do that, in fact. Um, there's been roughly an 80-80 big percent increase in the number of adoptions mm, from foster big. care in the last five years. So we are starting to do that. We're not doing particularly well. We're not thinking through what, what we need in terms of post-adoptive services because these kids, a lot of them, most of them, have special needs. They need some just because they got adopted does not solve all of their issues. Um, so we're not doing everything yet, but we're moving in the right direction. The answer to your question is there are there is so is my answer to everything is ignorance. I mean the the level of ignorance that even state officials, policymakers, mm-hmm. politicians have about this system is so high that they can't make good decisions. So mm-hmm. they pass good legislation designed to break down interstate barriers, for example, mm-hmm. and. The state officials in state after state after state are ignoring the law, mm-hmm. are ignoring the practice, the, the practice that's been accepted. So one of the studies that we're going to launch, in fact, is how to, is exactly what you're asking, mm-hmm. is what are the one, two, three steps that we can take um, as a matter of policy, practice, mm-hmm. and law that will actually get these kids home. 
it's a great example. I mean, th- this is literally true. There are children in some states mm-hmm. who have been identified for adoption, mm-hmm. whose, whose parents, whose new parents have been identified. They want to adopt them. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. There's a home waiting for them. And because of interstate legal and procedural barriers, mm-hmm. those kids are still sitting in foster care. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad, and it's so unnecessary. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we are going to do, absolutely, is figure out some ways to break those down. And some of that is pure education. Some of it requires uh, new laws. The, the second chapter of my book um, talks about the, the maze, the mess, I should say, the maze of of laws, uh, 50 state yes. patchwork of laws. It's, it's a that, miracle that they just, work together at all. And it wasn't that just turned down? We were trying to get that all unified just well, a, a week or two ago? It, well, um, it, it, no, actually it was a few years ago there was something called the Uniform, Uniform Adoption Act mm-hmm. that was um, suggested and, and sent around to the states to try to unify. The problem is, again, I'll go back to ignorance, when people don't know as much, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily construct good solutions. So this Uniform Act, which in some ways looked good, mm-hmm. for example, sealed adoption re- and birth records for 100 years, no access to adoptee or anybody oh, wow. else. Very so <laughs> not everything in that act was so good, mm-hmm. and to say the least. And as a result, state after state rejected it. Mm-hmm. And so until you and I are the framers of that act, Mm-hmm. Of the, the of making this uniform, I'm afraid we're going to have to keep doing it state by state till we get it right. And that's really tough. And you know, I have a lot of international listeners. I have people from the Netherlands and England yep. and Germany and uh, Asia um, uh, that are interested in adopting U.S. children that are waiting in foster care. Do you, I, I'm kind of throwing a curveball here. Um, that's okay. But Adam, but you know, can we help them? Because my heart goes out when I get these emails from these families that want to adopt overseas. It's so very difficult, and they hear about these children in the U.S., and they'd like to be able to adopt. Well, the answer is that it happens all the time. No one knows the numbers. No one keeps the numbers. Um, it's very hard to do research on secrets, so there's so much of adoption policy because adoption's been a secret for so long that, in fact, is not well-grounded in good information. But what we know anecdotally Mm-hmm. is that lots of people adopt kids, in, uh, lots of people in other countries adopt kids from our foster care system. I'll tell you one example of uh, of a way that we all know it and don't quite realize that we all know it. Mm-hmm. Remember the Internet Twins case? Oh, yeah. The, the twins who were adopted by a couple in California mm-hmm. and a couple in England? Yes. Ah, you mean you can adopt American children from overseas? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can, privately and from foster care. Mm-hmm. And, you ha- and, and I think the Internet is the, first, is the start, and you contact the state adoption agency that does foster care adoptions, mm-hmm. and you start there. And by the way, if you, you're frustrated with the first one, go to the next one. Right, and just um, I, I always tell people just to check out the the uh, background of anybody you're working with because I think you know there are like you mentioned there are thousands of adoptions going on every day, absolutely, and they're going through without a hitch. But once in a while, I get someone posing as an adoption professional, and it gives a bad name to all of us that are working in adoption. Absolutely. And I really feel that if you just if just like anything else you're going to do, you're going to work with a professional, a medical professional, or a building professional. You're going to check them out. The same thing with adoption, and. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see more of these children go into good homes, but into homes that can work with their, their, their special needs, too. As an international, we could do a whole show just on that, and we have. Tell me, um, how, you know, what are some of the, the, the ways that we can go ahead and keep adoption process uh, ethical? Um, well, this is a big – you talk about something you could do a whole show on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Adoption Institute that I had before I got there a few years ago held the, the first and so far only – 
National Conference on Adoption Ethics. Mm-hmm. Alas, one of the things that has suffered because of, uh, this is a big theme in my book, but uh, because of adoption's history of secrecy, is the standards and practices. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't develop the, the best standards and the best practices when you don't even talk about something, mm-hmm. or the best laws, which is why, one reason for this maze and mess of laws from state to state. The miracle is that things work as well as they do. Right. This, you know, fungus grows in the dark, not beautiful flowers. <laughs> and so we're finally out in the light. And now, in answer to your question, we need to develop, because uh, we have not, mm-hmm. those ethical standards. So the Institute has books. We've, uh, we've printed books on this exact subject mm-hmm. of what should constitute those standards. But you mentioned, you know, doctors and all those people who you need to check out. Mm-hmm. Well, when you check them out, one of the first things you, you do is see if they're, what their licensing is, what their training is. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? In the world of adoption, you can become an adoption practitioner without licensing, right. without training. Mm-hmm. I think it's unconscionable. And it, it's really sad. You know, and I, I've done adoption facilitation, and there are no licensing for people like myself. They've been doing this right. 17 years. We belong right. to the Better Business Bureau. We've gone and said, I don't want to become an attorney. I don't want to become a social worker. I don't want to become an agency. I just want to do what I do best. And it's really sad because there are some people out there that can hang a shingle and say, I do this. Absolutely. And it makes us all look bad. And if I would give anything uh, if we had some type of licensing, but there's nothing. So that There is not. And so that is, I think, mm-hmm. tra- licensing and training, I think, are essential. Mm-hmm. Credentialing, I think, uh, is essential. I think then monitoring, that's what mm-hmm. the AMA does for doctors. That's what the ABA that's does right. for lawyers. There mm-hmm. are sanctions against people who cross the line. There's right. nothing like that for us. You know, when you go to get your car fixed, you expect to see a little diploma on the wall mm-hmm. showing that the guy knows what he's doing. Right. Or get your hair done. There's often a diploma on the wall right. to show that the person doing your hair knows mm-hmm. what he or she is doing. Well, how about the people who change your life through adoption? Mm-hmm. Should there be something that shows they know what they're doing? I think there should be. Mm-hmm. It's so sad, and I can't, I'm really having a difficult time finding I've always. I've gone all the way to the Capitol to try to get someone to um, author this bill, and it's very difficult to find. And yeah. um, I, wish, I wish we could do that, and I'm hoping that in the near future we will be able to do that because I think it will really help everybody involved and the professionals that really want this to see this through. Um, they'll bar all the people that are, that are bad. I and agree, I think absolutely. about families. Tell me, as far as um, uh, when families first try to adopt, you know, I, I know that you're really big into education, and I am also. Yeah. Um, the books that the Institute has available, you, had one, you mentioned some on ethics. What are the other books that are available on just a few that might help people first? Well, we really, it, it, this is not, it, 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 teaching people how to adopt is really not what we focused on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a how-to organization. There are a million of those. Mm-hmm. There's only one or two of us. Um, you know, people who do the research, the policy work, they try to, you know, change those people's worlds for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really don't have that exact sort of materials, though. I will say, because of my orientation coming on, mm-hmm. that in the coming months and hopefully years, if, you know, the funding keeps coming, um, we are going to do more and more of that. Again, not in a how-to way, but, for example, we have on the on the planning boards Speaking of international adoption, this is just one example. Mm-hmm. We're going to do um, some pamphlets, some books on how to do adoptions ethically for, par- for parents thinking of adopting internationally, for adoption agencies that want to act ethically and professionally. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of materials that we will provide that hopefully will have a real systemic effect and not just on one or two couples. Well, and that, that's so very much needed, too. Tell me, where, where, any place you're going to be in the next uh, month or two that people might be able to uh, Oh, visit? God. 
I have to. <laughs> I'll calendar? look at my website during the break and let okay. you know. I won't put you on the spot with that because it is hard. I don't know my calendar until I get the next day. But I know that you're in a lot of places, too. And th- th- that website, again, we want to go ahead and give one more time, is adoptioninstitute.org yep. or adoptionnation.com for the book. Today we're speaking with Adam Pertman and about his Adoption Nation book, which is a wonderful book. And I think it's something that you definitely, if you're, you're considering adoption, you've adopted already, you want to make some differences in the world of adoption or with children, um, you can do that in your community. And I think this is a good place to start, too. Um, I, just briefly, what are issues do you see that are in need of proving in the adoption field? I mean, we talked about a few of those. Anything else? Well, I'd like to see adoption education programs in social work schools, for example. Mm-hmm. Social workers do adoptions every day, right? I mean, that's right. who does them, right? Right. Well, do you know how many weeks of, of uh, training they get in adoption in school? It's, it's really hard. You know what? I just hear really music zero. coming on. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Sure, I'm sorry, Adam. Fine. When we come back, we're going to answer that question with our guest author, uh, Adam Pertman. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell, and do send those questions in to be answered on the air at Info Let's Talk Adoption. I want to mention next week our guest is going to be Sarah Dorman. She has a Ph.D. and Ruth Graham McIntyre, um, authors of I'm Pregnant, Now What? Uh, Ruth is an author of um, Prayers from a Mother's Heart and, um, and also uh, the daughter of Billy Graham and comes from a wealth of uh, understanding and compassion. Both guests will discuss why they co-author this new guidebook on unplanned pregnancies, bringing practical help and, most of all, hope for those in need. Today we're speaking, though, with Adam Pertman, and author of Adoption Nation. And before we left, Adam, we were discussing a little bit about um, the issues you see improving in, in the adoption field. Um, and I think... Um, Basic, like you mentioned, the, the institute you're working for right now um, is helping in a great deal. Uh, anything else you want to add to that as far well, as? Well, uh, the, the two projects, I, I mentioned social workers uh, off the top of my head when uh, you first asked the question, but the two main projects that I, we're focusing on right now in terms of education and changing things are educating the educators, that is getting mm-hmm. adoption language programs, uh, lesson plans in schools, Mm-hmm. so that they are inclusive of adoption and don't stigmatize the kids, and um, educating the the media because they have such a profound impact. Mm. Uh, the press has such a profound impact on people's understanding and views of adoption, and most of what the press does vis-a-vis adoption, not deliberately, but because they just don't know, mm-hmm. um, is either negative or skewed or somehow stigmatizing, and so without some education, without uh, showing them uh, the, the, rea- the realities of adoption, um, it's hard to expect anything else. So mm-hmm. um, the two, our two big programs that we're looking for funding for right now is educating the educators and educating the media. Mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important, and uh, I'm glad to see you're moving that. And I know that the Institute, that's one of the main, main focuses. What are some educational programs um, that your institute is currently available for those in the adoption field. Um, I know you said you're hoping to have some new programs, but what do you have right now that that we can use as um, sure the the things that we do most are trainings and and my own uh, my own speeches and workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we I I do them for social workers. I do them for teachers and journalists and mm-hmm. um, adoption professionals. I mean that that's always available through me and the staff and our materials. Um, in particular, um, we also are doing uh, projects on, or have done projects on ethics, 
on infant abandonment, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things that people don't think about as being adoption-related but mm-hmm. certainly are. Sure. Um, so it, it's such a wide range of, of stuff um, that I think the easiest thing is for people to look at the website or send me a query, send me an email sure. asking um, about specifics. One thing that I'll mention because it sort of cuts across the, the board of uh, – of uh, types of professions that your listeners might be in, is we have um, employer-employee trainings. That is, we will come into any company, hopefully of significant size, um, and train the, the, the human resources people, the executives, the workers, about adoption realities, both to, so that the, the uh, benefits they offer are fair to adoptive, to people who adopt, because mm-hmm. People who form their families through adoption often do not get comparable benefits to mm-hmm. people who form their families biologically, but also to, to improve the culture so the language used there is right, so the people don't ask why somebody needs to take off work just because you're going to China for a week to pick up a child. Mm-hmm. What, are you going to take sick leave? Well, nobody asks that question if you're mm-hmm. taking off because you have a difficult pregnancy. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of education to be done, and it's applicable to just about any company. And the companies that we do it for, have done it for, have been, so they've been surprised at how useful it was and how grateful mm-hmm. they were. And there are benefits, uh, tax benefits for the employer also. Oh, absolutely. For oh. In, in putting in place. And I know that many of the families that are adopting through us are able to get um, tax um you know, I mean, um, benefits from their employer. Oh, absolutely. There, but there are so many things that people don't know, and why would they? I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody going around telling them, and newspapers aren't printing it, and so we are we are trying to do some of that. Right, and I think that's extremely beneficial to people right now and in the future. I think it's going to be changing rapidly as new books come out that are important, too. Tell me how, you know, I noticed, and, and I know um, we get emails, too, there are a lot of angry adult adoptees. They're yep. angry about the closed adoptions. They were forced into they had no choice in it and you know what my heart goes out to these these folks um you know we'd love to have one of them on the program and talk about this what can we do to help help um help them well we can change adoption i would add to that list uh, angry birth parents birth mothers mm-hmm. because a lot of them were forced into the the closed adoptions or didn't want to re- really want to relinquish mm-hmm. and then they're told by society you can just forget about it and move on well mm-hmm. Ask a woman who's given birth whether she can just forget about that baby and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a social attitude that treats human beings like baby-making machines. Mm-hmm. And so I don't blame people for being angry, and it's mm-hmm. one principal reason why, A, I try to do things right for my kids and our adoptions, mm-hmm. but more importantly, why we try to change this world for the better, because mm-hmm. we don't want more angry adoptees. We don't want more angry birth mothers to the extent that there is adoption. Right. And I think, by the way, you know, I'm not an adoption advocate exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm an adoption education advocate. Then mm-hmm. people can do, once they know what reality is, they should do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But they shouldn't make their decisions based on stigmas and negative stereotypes and bad information. Right. And so I hope that more and more people, society permits more and more mothers to parent the children they, they gave birth to. Mm-hmm. But when, we, when adoption is real, is there, we don't stigmatize these people. Mm-hmm. We don't turn people into second-rate human beings. Mm-hmm. We don't treat them as though they're, they're machines, and we don't take away their rights. All of that makes people angry, right. and reasonably so, which is why we concentrate on policies and practices, because when we change those, 
we really, we, I mean, the effort is there. Uh, reality, I hope, will match. The, the, the effort is to keep people from being angry because they're treated respectfully mm -hmm. and the process works right. And I think, too, I think, you know, the, the families and the birth moms have to be mentally stable. Um, I think a lot of times we find that there are, there are some birth moms um, that are are not maybe stable mentally, and um, that that a lot of times the courts uh, take things out of their own hands, right. um, and they don't understand that. Um, or if if a birth mom is having issues with with certain things that um, that they have to realize that there is help, there's counseling available, and things like that. Well, too. if they're given the help and the counseling, yeah. too often they're not, and then they, they're expected to deal with life as though. Nothing happened. Yeah. Something I, happened. Mm -hmm. I think, too, and a lot of communities are getting more and more um, counselors that are familiar with adoption, but they need to be educated, too, because many of them really believe the closed adoption is the only way to go. And, right. um, and like you said, you're educating them, too. Uh, the other question I have, too, is uh, what are some, chem some key issues um, that you're working on right now? Um, are you working on another book at all? Or? Oh, me personally, mm -hmm. um, I, I put off another book because I, I, as I say, I came to the institute six months ago, and I've just tried to give it all my energy, all my work. You know, it is a bad fundraising time, so I've had to spend an enormous amount of time on that. Um, I've developed a lot of new programs and education projects, and I've just simply had to focus on this to make this work. I do want to write a, another book or two mm -hmm. um, and intend to update um, Adoption Nation, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, its not old. It's all of two years, but um, there are things I'd like to add to it. There are changes I'd like to include in it. Um, this is a field that's moving all the time. Um, and, and, this, and the subtitle of the book, How the Adoption Revolution is Transforming America, well, there is a revolution in the American family and our culture today. Adoption really is a big part of it. And it's, you know, that change requires us to keep up with it right. um, and to understand it. Tell me, you now you have your two children that are adopted. And mm -hmm. Are there anybody else in your family that is adopted? Not to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> <Yeah. And what's> <laughs> which doesn't mean the answer is no. Yeah, Actually, there are cousins. Um, there's no one in the immediate family, but there are cousins who are adopted. We, we certainly have a gazillion friends who have adopted. Mm -hmm. and, and this is uh, growing by leaps and bounds in terms of my family. Sure. I mean, more and more members are considering adoption. I think one reason, by the way, mm -hmm. is people need to see this with their own eyes. Oh, isn't that That true? it's real and normal and people love each other just as much. And right. all, the, all the crazy stuff that goes into in people's heads and all the stigmas that are attached to adoption that simply aren't true. Yeah, that's but very until, true. until people see it, they're not as prone to do it. That's right. Well, thank you for listening. We're going to be taking a short break now. We're right back with Adam Pertman, so don't touch that mouse. We'll be right back. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoption of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parent Seeking Family page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. LifetimeAdoption.com. Like like... Well, 
Well, thank you for joining us, and we're wrapping up this segment with our um, guest today, Adam Pertman, with his wonderful book, Adoption Nation. I do highly endorse it, and I think it's a wonderful book. I encourage you to go out and get the book. Um, as he mentioned, you can go to Amazon, go to your local bookstore, ask them to order it for you, and uh, it's a super book. Adam, I, I wanted to see if you had a last little note, um, a tip, or something you can leave with our listeners before we close. Yes, um, sure. Change your world. Um, educate yourselves, get rid of the stigmas and stereotypes that are floating around in your head that um, don't do any of us any good, um, and come to our website. Think about some of the projects that we're working on. We, we are on the ground really trying to make a difference in children's and families' lives. Uh, to whatever extent anybody wants to join us in this, uh, this revolution of ours, uh, we would love to have you. Well, that's great. Let's give them that website one more time, if you don't mind, both those websites, Adam. Sure, sure. The Adoption Institute is adoptioninstitute.org. Uh, all run together, one word, in Adoption Institute. And the, uh, the book website is Adoption Nation, all run together as one word, dot com. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time and effort you've put into educating those in the adoption community and sharing your personal story. I know you're a wonderful dad, a great educator, and thank we you. thank you so much. We hope to have you back on the show in a few months. Thank you so much, Adam. Take care. Okay. Next week, our special guest will be Sarah Dorman, Ph.D., and Ruth Graham McIntyre, uh, co-authors of the book, I'm Pregnant, Now What? So we're going to go ahead and remember that our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 9 p.m., uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. And the show is also then rebroadcast at 9 p.m. Uh, that same, same night. Also, we have a new show on Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Um, on Mountain Time. So our program and guest information can be on lefttalkadoption.com. You can also sign up for our free newsletter. So until next week, this is Marty Caldwell. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and I'll speak to you later. Thank you for your purchase of this Let's Talk Adoption radio program. A portion of your donation has helped fund adoption programs and scholarships for birth mothers, special needs adoptions, and adoptive parents. Your continued support is greatly appreciated. For a transcript of this audio product, or for a complete list of audio products, please visit letstalkadoption.com or call toll-free 1-877-423-6785.